Welcome to the EFL Review with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. What a long bank holiday footballing weekend that we've had over the last couple of days. Tonight, we'll be reviewing all the fixtures that took place on Good Friday, of which there were some particularly interesting results in the Championship. As always, you can expect the same level of insight, analysis and interviews that you come to expect every single week here on this show that covers the Championship, League One and League Two. Don't worry, there will be coverage of all the fixtures taking place on Easter Monday, whilst this show's going out in fact, but that we will save until Friday's show. So, without further ado, let's move straight on to the Championship and we'll start with the lunchtime game. Millwall nil, Luton Town nil. Championship playoff hopefuls Luton and Millwall took a point apiece in a dismal encounter at the Den. The Hatters' failure to win means Burnley would clinch automatic promotion if they won at fourth place Middlesbrough in Friday's late kickoff, but more on that in a minute. Both sides were starved of clear cut chances in a dire 90 minutes of midfield scrapping, but the draw extends Luton's unbeaten streak to eight games and keeps them well placed for a top six finish. Millwall, who stay in fifth, have more work to do as if they are to consolidate their place in the playoffs as their winless run extends to three. The Lions' best effort was a snapshot by Ryan Leonard in the first half, which was comfortably turned around the post by Ethan Horvath, while George Long had to be sharp to beat away an effort by Alfie Doherty as Luton stepped up the pressure late in the game. The draw meant Middlesbrough are the only team who can still prevent Vincent Company's Clarets from securing a top-two spot. Spot, sorry, not a spot, and they need to avoid defeat to keep their slim, automatic promotions alive. Luton's defence was key to the surge in the playoff contention, and this was their sixth clean sheet in the last eight. And their tally of 18 shutouts is total, in total is the best in the division. Millwall rarely threatened to ruin that record, with Oliver Burke wasting their best opportunity as he failed to control Zion Fleming's astute ball over the top in the second minute of the game. Elijah Adebayo's header across the face of goal was hooked clear by George Saville, and at the other end, Andreas Vogslammer got the ball caught under his feet as he sought out a burst clear of two defenders, allowing Luton to clear their lines. The visitors' captain Tom Lockyer survived two strong late penalty appeals as he twice appears to haul down opposite centre-back Jake Cooper at set pieces, but the goalless draw was a fitting result. With that in mind, let's listen to Luton Town boss Rob Edwards. Well, Rob, that was pretty much everything you predicted it would be. Very challenging game, really tough game. Um, we had to stand up to loads of um, an aerial bombardment, you know, lots of balls coming in the box, whether that's from set pieces, long throws, uh, or very fast turnovers, and, and their forwards are great at reading that and anticipating it and looking forward. Their hips are facing the goal as that ball comes over the top, and there was, um, yeah, there was a lot of strong defending that we had to do in the box. Delighted with the way that we did that because we protected Ethan really, really well. Um, what we lacked today was probably a little bit of rhythm. It was really difficult to find the rhythm in the game because there's so many first and second balls and duels and it's difficult to, to then get too much going. And, and when we did get moments of control, we probably didn't quite, we didn't move well enough. We moved the ball all right, but didn't move and move them <clears throat> well enough. But 
Um, the lads showed bags of character. Really difficult place to come here uh, to get, come away with a clean sheet and a, and a big. It's a big point. It's a big point. It's a really really difficult place to come when they're going for it as well. Um, you know, full house. The crowd were at it. Thought thought it was a really really good day for us. Well, it keeps them at arm's length, and it's another point to you. It keeps the unbeaten run going. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another clean sheet. Real positive. You know bags of effort um, some, some good performances but in a different way you know football's not always uh, beautiful <laughs> there's, there's, there's you, you know you have to um, you have to play different ways and find different ways and the opposition team are always going to um, try and play to their strengths and try and stop you doing what, what you do well what we do well and uh, yeah today loads of character loads of heart loads of um, those are battling qualities. I really enjoyed it in a way. You know, I'd like to have been out there myself a little bit today. Um, there seems to be more in the second half. You were sort of defending by attacking further, you know, by getting further at the pitch. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we had a bit more territory. I thought we started the second half very well. And the majority of the game was here. They came into it a little bit. And as I say, it's that fast turnover. Mm-hmm. And then if, you know, say it goes out for a throw and it's coming in the box or because there were so too many... Too many free kicks late on as well. Well, yeah, but it's really hard because we want the lads, you know, you want the lads to battle. Yes. And, and then, you know, the ref, I thought it's difficult game but was quite whistle happy I thought at times there was lots of free kicks going on and we could argue for both teams mm. um, again another reason why it lacked flow but any time halfway line or anywhere you know where it's yeah. going and they've got real threats so to stand up to that was, was really good and you have to do it all again of course on uh, on Monday now um, back at Kenilworth Road yeah back in front of our fans which would be great um, we've got to recover really really well and uh, and then go again and, and show a lot of the same qualities but hopefully we can have a little bit more of a, an attacking threat as well that's as a team does that quick turnaround necessitate maybe changing things because I mean this group have done uh, deservedly kept all kept their places and um, you know I'm sure we'd be wanting to go again but it is quite a quick turnaround we'll have a look at it we'll see how everyone is and how, how everyone rocks up tomorrow uh, we'll see what the game requires on Monday as well um, you know there's not going to be loads of changes because we're in a rhythm we're in a flow yeah. um, and the group get that and everyone's together and, and, and fighting and working really hard whether it's at the training ground or you can see that out on the pitch so that's we're in a good place and a great um, there being a fantastic atmosphere again I'm sure on, on Monday but a great following today brilliant you know a massive thank you to everyone that came they were outstanding all game long and uh, you know going with a point and they'll be they'll be pleased with that I know that you can see you could see that at the end now as you know we'd normally do these games in uh, chronological order but given the insignificance of the lunchtime game uh, had on the very late evening kickoff I think it's only appropriate we go there next and that finished Middlesbrough 1 Burnley 2. Vincent Company's Burnley secured promotion back to the Premier League at the first attempt with victory over fourth-placed Middlesbrough. The Clarets, unbeaten in the league since November, took an early lead when Ashley Barnes redirected Josh Brownhill's low shot into the back of the net. The home side equalised just after half-time when Championship top scorer Tuba Akpom scored from the penalty spot after Josh Cullen had scythed down Cameron Archer in the penalty area. Former Glover Connor Roberts steered in the winner from Nathan Teller's near-post cross as company's men saw out the rest of the game in comfort to spark wild celebrations on the pitch and among their travelling fans. Victory for the East Lancashire side sent them 19 points clear of third-place Luton, who have six games left to play. A game I was actually at myself, a very, very entertaining game throughout. Realistically, Burnley didn't look as good as they have done this part of this season. Lots of the ball, but never really created too many chances. What they did do is they probably created three key, key moments. 
Two of them resulted in goals, and the third that fell to Nathan Teller on around the 50th minute really should have made it three goals from three attempts. Middlesbrough didn't exactly look bad, they just looked slightly outclassed with a huge level of depth available to the Burnley squad, which simply wasn't available to Middlesbrough. Realistically, the only substitute they could make to add anything to the game was one that they made when they brought on Marcus Fors on the, the right wing, who's been in good run of form recently. Burnley, however, were able to chuck on all sorts of players and bring in on someone like Michael Obafemi, obviously was a leading part of uh, the success of both, uh, of mainly of Swansea last year. Uh, having that as a backup striker isn't too bad in the championship. Obviously, massive congratulations to Vincent Company and the Burnley and everyone who connected with the club as it's a really fantastic achievement and not everybody returns at the first time of asking out of the Premier League, particularly when their squad had so many changes to the one that fell out of the league 12 months ago. So, all with that, that's very, very pleasing. Let's move on to the rest of the Championship and we will start uh, with the 1 o'clock game and we'll go with Rotherham United 3, West Bromwich Albion 1. West Bromwich Albion's hopes of a championship playoff place hang by a thread, as Jordan Hugill scored twice to help ease Rotherham's relegation fears in a 3-1 win. Having missed a couple of excellent chances, Rotherham fell behind to John Swift's penalty after Hugill was fouled Connor Townsend. But the former Baggies lone striker deservedly equalised when he rose highest to head home Connor Coventry's corner. He hit the bar with another header as the Millers ended the half strongly, then headed Rotherham ahead shortly after half-time, before Tyreek Fossu blasted in a third from close range. After the rest of the Good Friday programme had been completed, that left Rotherham three points clear of the relegation places. Depleted Albion, who already had Grady Diangana, Jason Malumbi, Dara O'Shea and Jake Livermore missing, suffered another injury in training on the Thursday when they lost Adam Reach for the rest of the season with a quad injury. They are now points shy of the playoff places in 10th, but still with a game in hand. Blackburn Rovers nil, Norwich City 2. Norwich closed the gap on championship playoff rivals Blackburn to a single point after winning 2-0 at Ewood Park. Liam Gibbs, who came in for the departing Timu Puki, sprinted through and finished well to get his first Norwich goal before Max Ahrens had a shot touched onto the post after half an hour. Gabriel Sara's powerful shot from an angle early in the second half sealed victory as the Canaries won for the first time in five. Norwich keeper Angus Gunn made a superb save with 11 minutes left from Dominic Hjarn's deflected header, with Rovers' first meaningful effort on goal while the Scottish keeper also did well to keep out Tylese Dolan late on. The win sees Norwich stay in seventh, but they are just one point off sixth-placed Blackburn and one point further behind fifth-placed Millwall with six games to play. Although Blackburn have a game in hand on them both. Blackpool 1, Cardiff City 3. Cardiff City eased their championship relegation fears with a crucial 3-1 win while adding to those of Blackpool. Connor Wickham then made amends for his off-the-field behaviour in midweek to score his first goal for Cardiff City. On loan striker Sori Kaba scored his fifth goal in ten games to double the lead before former glover Joe Rawls tapped home at the back post to make it 3-0. Blackpool improved after the break and did well to pull one back through Josh Bowler, but it was too little, too late. Defeat leaves Blackpool seven points adrift uh, from safety with six games remaining, while the win moves the Bluebirds above Reading and QPR into 19th, though just one point clear of the bottom three. Of course, that was such a, such a miserable result for Blackpool that they've actually sacked Mick McCarthy three months after taking over the job. 
someone who also looks like they could be on the way out. Queen's Park Rangers nil, Preston North End two. Queen's Park Rangers manager Gareth Ainsworth believes he was 100% right to join the Championship Club, but says some of his players are very fragile after their dismal run of form continued with a 2-0 defeat by Preston. Ainsworth's watched struggling Rangers lose a sixth game of his seventh in charge since joining from Wickham Wanderers in February, as Tom Cannon scored twice in Preston's victory at Loftus Road. He said he wanted to change a hell of a lot here, and he needed to get the points on the board if he were going to do anything, Ainsworth told BBC Radio London, after a fourth successive defeat left QPR a point outside the relegation zone, and sections of the home crowd clearly unimpressed. Reading won Birmingham City. One. Reading fell into the championship's bottom three and are in deep relegation trouble after being held to a one or draw by Birmingham. Andy Carroll slotted the ball home after just six minutes to give the Royals the perfect start, days after the club was docked six points by the EFL for breaching the terms of the business plan. But Lukas Jutskovic's header midway through the first half levelled the scores for the visitors. Wins for Cardiff at Blackpool and Huddersfield at Watford spoilers, saw both clubs climb above Reading, leaving the Royals in the relegation zone and one point from safety behind QPR, who were beaten by Preston. Paul Ince's side were plunged into a relegation battle this week, of course, after the EFL had handed them a deduction for failing to adhere to the terms of a business plan for a previous profit and sustainability rule breach, FFP for those uh, you and I. The the points penalty dropped Reading down to 20th, but after picking up only one point on Good Friday, while their rivals won elsewhere, they fooled into the bottom three with six games to go. Carroll's early goal seemed to be the exact tonic Reading needed, and came after the ball was passed down to the channel by Lucas Shaw, who cut it back for Carroll to simply stroke it into the bottom corner. Yet Jutskovic equalised for the Blues after 29 minutes, heading it across from Reedy Kadra for his fourth goal of the campaign. Not all of those have, of course, been for Birmingham as he spent the first half on Sloan at Sheffield United. Birmingham, whose place in the Championship for next season was virtually all but assured already, remain in 16th and are unbeaten in their past three. Teeth Chong had saw a shot from a tight angle saved by Joe Lumley at the end of an excellent counter-attacking move, while Femi Aziz dragged a volley wide of the post late on for Reading in what was a quiet second half with limited opportunities for either side. Now, of course, that report was very, very Reading-heavy, so let's, uh, for, the, uh, for the benefit of balance, shall we say, let's listen to Birmingham City boss John Eustace. Gaffer, we've come from behind to earn a point here against Reading. What did you make of it? Yeah, I was really pleased with the point. You know, um, we knew it was going to be a really difficult game today with the six points being deducted from them earlier in the week. You know, give them that siege mentality. Um, you know, the, the team they picked was very aggressive. The three big boys up top were all top players at this level. So we know it was going to be a really difficult game. And, um, you know, to go 1-0 down so early was disappointing, although it was a top, top goal, top move. Um, you know, but the character we showed after that, I thought, was outstanding. And I thought we controlled the game in large periods. And uh, the goal we scored was a magnificent footballing goal. Yeah, you talk about Andy Carroll's opener after just seven minutes there being a, a well-worked goal. From a coaching perspective, is it pre- preventable in the lead-up? Would you just have to applaud the finish? I think I think, I think think the flick uh, from Jao was, was very good. Obviously, um, you know, there's still things we can do better, of course. But, you know, we're talking about good players and, um, you know, it's disappointing the manner we conceded. But, you know, there's lots of positives to take out of the game after that. Yeah, how pleased were you with the reaction to going from behind? Because it didn't seem to deter us from what we were trying to do. No, it didn't. And that's one thing we've done this season whenever we've gone 
behind. You know, we've kept our heads, we kept focused. Um, you know, and the group of players are never are never beaten. You know, and I thought we controlled the game uh, relatively well after that. And uh, as I say, the goal we scored was a really good footballing goal. Uh, 13, 14 passes. The cross was excellent. We spoke about early crosses all week, and uh, Big Juki. You know, um, again another magnificent performance from him and. and Quite rightly so, he scored a great goal. Yeah, you mentioned Juki there. Just how much does he offer this team, not just on the pitch, but off it, around the place as well as an experienced pro? Yeah, he's an he's a exceptional professional. He's a gentleman, which I spoke about before. Uh, he's a leader. Um, you know, he's a great example for all the young players. And, um, you know, he's a Birmingham City legend. He's been here nine years now and, and he's still performing at a high, high level you know and uh, the way he conducts himself around the training field and the way he actually trains every day doesn't miss a day 100% you know you can see that coming out on the pitch yeah and as you say his goal his header at the end of a 13 pass move that worked it down one side then across to the other are we capable of that more often as a team? There's some good technical players out there. Is this a group of players who can produce those little moments? Yeah, I think we've done that throughout the season. I think we scored two or three real good footballing goals, you know, from even the Preston away. That was a fantastic goal as well. But, you know, the most important thing is that we're competitive. We don't want to get carried away with, with, um, with too much. You know, we're, we're in games. We, we want to find ways to win. We knew how to play today. We knew how to set up. We knew there'd be opportunities to play on a fantastic pitch here as well. And there'll be lots of gaps. So, um, you know, really pleasing yeah as a contest what did you make of the second half it was very even you know I thought we had a couple of real good chances on the break we got in some really great positions especially Austin trusty you know down that left you know and uh, you know and just that decision making at the end could have been better uh, but you know um, I think we limited limited them to very little chances I think the one chance they had was from a set piece and we threw our bodies on the line two or three great blocks on the, on the, on the line so um, you know again it's, it's a good point yeah, and like you say, when you see a team sheet with Carol Mate and Lucas Yao on it, you know you're going to be in for a tough afternoon. But what did you make of how they handled that trio today? Yeah, I thought the back four were excellent. I thought the two boys in front, Christian and uh, Alfie, defensively were very, very good as well. So, you know, we did limit, limit them to a few chances. But again, that's lots of work this week on the training field again. The boys have been working really hard on that and, um, you know, it was pleasing. A word for the support. We talk about them nearly every away game in particular, but again, they were right there with you, right to the end today. Yeah, and for them difficult moments, they were straight up singing, and uh, you know that's it's something to be very proud of. All the players, the fans, you know, the club on a whole. You know, I asked for that at the start of the season, for that connection between the fans and the players, and we've certainly got that. You know, no matter what's going on off the pitch, them fans are right behind the players, and the players are right behind the fans, and uh, we really appreciate the support. And you know, thank you very much point closer to the 50 mark and on to Stoke City on Monday a very different challenge again yeah and a, a really difficult game you know they've got one of the best squads in the championship you know um, they're a very dangerous outfit and uh, they're on a really good run at the moment uh, so we know it's going to be a really difficult game but one we'll prepare, prepare properly for and uh, try and be as competitive as we can thanks as always Gaffer. thank you Sheffield United 1, Wigan Athletic 0. Promotion chasing Sheffield United moved 8 points clear of 3rd place Luton with a win over the Championship's bottom side Wigan. The home side took an early lead when James McAtee showed quick feet to break away down the left and send in a low centre for Illiman and Dye to tap in at the back post. Billy Sharp drew an excellent save from Ben Amos and Ndai was denied a second by goal line clearance from James McLean as the Blades threatened to blow the Latics away before the break. Wigan improved after half-time and Thilo Asgard's header drew a smart stop from Wes Fodringham but they could not find an equaliser and are now eight points adrift of safety with six games left to play. 
Stoke City 1, Bristol City 2. Anis Megmeti scored his first goal for Bristol City as they beat Stoke 2-1 to end the Potters' five-game unbeaten run. Nick Powell gave Stoke the lead nine minutes before half-time, striking into the net from close range, after Naki Wells and Andreas Weiman both missed opportunities to put the visitors ahead. Weiman had a goal ruled out for Bristol City for being offside early in the second half by the fourth official before Zach Viner's header levelled the score. Substitute Megmeti then wrapped up the win five minutes from full-time for Bristol City's fifth consecutive win at the Bet365 Stadium. The win means Bristol City move above Stoke, who are now uh, have been one of the Championship's informed teams through March, up to the 13th in the table, and ended a run of four away games without scoring a goal. With that in mind, let's listen to Stoke City boss Alex Neal. Alex, what did you make of this afternoon's game? Um, I thought we started the game great. You know, I thought first 20 minutes, I thought it was a continuation of where we were at Coventry. I thought we moved the ball really well. Dominated, made good opportunities, getting into final third areas really well. Um, I thought just in the middle of the first half they had a couple of opportunities just for a bit of slackness from us, giving the ball away in stupid areas, just transitions. Um, particularly one of them I think was a longer pass we don't deal with well enough, the lad goes through. Jack comes out, spreads his cell well, he puts it past the post. And then we get the goal and I thought leading up to half time I thought we were strong again, I thought we were the better side. So all in all I thought first half was good. Um, I expected the second half to come out and be hopefully more of the same and even more, um, but it wasn't. You know, I thought second half I didn't think we'd done well enough in every area of the pitch. I thought we didn't compete well enough. We weren't brave enough with the ball. Um, I thought we showed a little bit of bravery when the score went one-one. We opened the pitch up a little bit better and started to make a couple of passes, um, but we didn't keep the ball alive enough at the top end. We didn't land enough ball in the middle of the pitch, and we didn't defend well enough. Hence the reason why we scored two goals. So. Yeah, when you when you don't do the basics well, you're going to find it difficult to win games. What I will say, it's probably the first 45 minutes I think we've had like that, and certainly, I don't know, about 10, 12 games, whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, that, it was disappointing, frustrating, you know, and I could sense the lads' disappointment as well. I think they know second half wasn't certainly up to the standard we expect. What do you put the drop off in that second half down to? Um, I don't think we got enough pressure on the ball at the top end. You know, I thought they opened the pitch up well. But I thought they turned it a lot, and then when they turn it and we don't land in the second balls in the middle area, um, because they've got three, and if we commit well to get it back, we end up 3v2 in there. So Will then stays in, and then obviously we need a nine to work across all the time, which becomes a hard shift. Um, but they did the same. <laughs> Do you know I mean? So it wasn't any different for what they were doing. They just did it better than we did. team seemed a little bit leggy at times today. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I thought it was a fair assessment. I thought, I thought to be honest, right throughout the whole game, there was probably two or three players that have been really, really good over the last sort of eight, nine, ten games that didn't play as well as they can. You know, I think I think that'd be fair. I think, um, but that's that's going to happen. I mean, you're not going to play well every game. I think the disappointing thing is we need to make sure that when we're not playing well, we stay in the game and we make it difficult and we can maybe hit in transition. And you're not going to dominate every game. I think particularly when Bristol are coming here, with nothing to fear, nothing really necessarily to play for. It made it a really end-to-end open match. Um, and unfortunately, in the second half, they did that better than we did. Do you think that it shows that the team's not quite the finished product yet and there's still things to be worked on? I, th- I think there's always things to be worked on because what happens is every team you play against, there becomes a different challenge. There becomes a different way that they'll play. I think with Bristol today, they turned the ball a lot more than what teams have done looked in behind us. Um, I thought we were in position, so we should have dealt with it better. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that every game becomes a different challenge. And 
the strange thing is though the game didn't change so in the first 20 minutes where we were excellent we just did the basics and the fundamentals better than they did the only thing that changed is they brought a little bit more experience with King on but in terms of positionally they kept the same shape they pressed the same way they just did it better in the second half than we did and I thought in the first half when we were dominant we scored one goal in the second half when they are dominant they managed to get two goals um, and yeah it's disappointing the second half because I think we're, we're much better than that this time of season it's a uh... The fixtures are coming quick, coming thick and fast. It's an opportunity to put things right on Monday. Yeah, I, th- I think I certainly sense with the disappointment and the frustration with the lads after the game. I'd expect a reaction on Monday at Birmingham. Um, so today's disappointing because we feel as if we've built up a bit of momentum. The fans have came; it's a nice day. I mean, and then to t- to have that disappointment in the second half is frustrating. But we need to go again. We need to get back on it and make sure we perform well on Monday. Swansea City nil, Coventry City nil. Coventry City edged a point closer to the Championship playoff places thanks to a goalless draw at Swansea. Coventry came closest to finding a winner, with Gustavo Hamer and Matty Godden both denied by Swansea keeper Andy Fisher. Mark Robbins' team slipped to ninth in the table, though they have cut the gap to sixth to three points. Swansea, whose best chance was wasted by Harry Darling, stays 15th, having made it three games unbeaten. Coventry have suffered a first defeat in 10 uh, matches last time out, losing heavily at home to Stoke, and their attempt to respond almost got off to a desperate start when Darling headed into the side netting early on. Ben Cabango, the hero of Swansea's memorable derby win over Cardiff last weekend, then forced a save from Ben Wilson, while Joel Peroy drilled a shot wide. But while Swansea controlled possession, it was Coventry who had the best chances of the match. Watford 2, Huddersfield Town 3. Huddersfield Town beat a faltering Watford to make it three wins on the bounce and haul themselves out of the championship relegation zone. The Terriers came from behind for the second week running to continue their revival under Neil Warnock and inflict the Hornets' first home defeat in 2023. Colombian international Yasser Espria, yes that's Tino Espria's son, had fired the home side ahead with his first goal for the club, but Jack Radoni also netted his first for Huddersfield to square it up after just before half-time. Centre-back Matty Pearson put the visitors ahead, and 20-year-old Kean Harrett's first goal for the club sealed the three points, although Britt Asombolonga's goal in added time made it a nervy final few minutes for the travelling support. The misery was complete for Watford late on in the game when goalkeeper Daniel Bachman was sent off for two yellow card offences inside a minute and had to be dragged off the pitch by Watford staff as he lost his head with referee David Webb. Victory made it four wins and two draws from nine games for Warnock with Huddersfield up to 20th and a point clear of the bottom three having been five points adrift when the 74-year-old took over in February. And with that in mind, let's listen to that 74-year-old right now. Neil, uh, three on the bounce, how are you feeling? I'm obviously delighted, I mean, uh, it's a difficult place, you know, I, I've said that about Millwall and then Middlesbrough, uh, today was difficult, once again, coming from behind, that's three times since I've been here, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, at half-time, just before half-time, I said to Ronnie, I'll be, I'll be happy if we get to half-time at 1-0, and then we went and scored, uh, and I said to the players, I felt we could win the second half. Uh, if we played better, if we passed it earlier and a little bit more positive, and I thought we were, I thought we created the better chances. And they're a good team, you know. You look at some of their players. Wow, I was studying the first half, looking at some, thinking I wish we'd got two or three of them. Um, so you know they've got a good players, but all credit to them. It just shows you if you if you've got a team that believe in themselves, you know. And the fans were fabulous today, fabulous. So it's amazing what you can do in football. 
I think uh, a special word for, for Jack Radoni today. I think most of us were convinced he'd broken a mirror or something the way he'd been yeah. going, but he finally got if off I the tell you, If I tell you on Friday, on Thursday when we were training, we did a bit of finishing after, he hit both posts <laughs> with two shots. I said, get off in, Jack, you'll score tomorrow. So uh, I must have prophesied that. It's a, a fantastic moment for him, but if we, we skip to the last goal as well, young Keane Harrett that you brought on scored a fantastic goal. Yeah, How is that? He was, because it, he's done well in training. I love him, me. I think his attitude's fabulous. And I wanted to get him on the bench, so I told Simpson that uh, Tyrese, I said to him, you know, you have a bit of training, because uh, he's not played many minutes. Have a, have a good training session on, uh, for two days, and then uh, we'll get him involved on, on Monday. I want to ask you, after a run like this that I think most of us are still scratching our heads about given how the, the majority of the season's gone, how does something like this come about? Is it something as simple as, as belief and confidence? Well, it's, it's, it's having a good manager, isn't it? <laughs> really. I thought that might be the answer. Um, we go again on, on, on Monday at, at Blackburn, and I'm conscious that we, we, we mustn't put the, the cart ahead of the horse either. The, oh, the job's no, nowhere near done either. But this is, this is special at the moment, isn't it? That the end, the scenes with the fans, yeah. that's, that's going to carry you through. I mean, we've got, we've got three out of four. Like, we had four out of five away games at difficult places. So, you know, it's great to get off and get the three points. You know, if you'd have said we get three points in the next three games, I'd have, you know, it's not the end of the world, but we've got them in the first game. So now we, we want the John Smith Stadium buzzing on Monday now. Everybody getting behind the lads. The lads recover now in the next 48 hours, and we've got to go again. But if the fans were fabulous today. I hope, I hope we can generate an atmosphere like we did in the second half against Middlesbrough. Uh, the last thing I'll, I'll ask you is, you know, when you first came in, you made a, a clear point to say a lot, a lot of the people that you'd spoken to before you took the job had said you'd be an idiot for coming here. On the run that we've been on, the, the way we've, we've touched wood at the moment, started climbing the table, you don't look that much of an idiot now, do you? No, but uh, if you were stood on the bench when we played Burnley and Coventry, <laughs> you know how, what a difficult task we've got. So I don't kid myself. You know, we've got, like I said, three out of four away games. Yes, we've, we've done well and we've, we've clawed back into the pack. But we've still got to go again now. So, you know, I'll make sure they keep the feet on the floor. Don't worry about that. We'll enjoy today and then we'll go again Monday. Thank, Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you. Always been a big fan of him and, quite frankly, got to really do hope Huddersfield do well this season. So, final game in the Championship for this weekend. Sunderland 4, Hull City 4. Oz and two fans. Last gas penalty and Hull a point. And dented Sunderland's uh, lofty. Playoff ambitions as the side shared an epic four-all draw at the Stadium of Light. In a thriller between two teams who had drawn each other on their previous three encounters with one another, Jack Glover, uh, Jack Glover, Jack Clark set up two of Sunderland's goals and looked to have struck a composed 81st-minute winner to keep the Black Cats' hopes of extending their season alive. After Pierre Equa caught Hull's Regan Slater inside the penalty area deep in the second half stoppage time, Tufan courageously stepped up to score with the last kick of the game that will go down as one of the championship's most memorable moments this season. Hull's hopes of ending their six-match winless away run came to life when they twice took the lead, scoring the opener in slick style when Tufan finished a flowing passage of play to give Leroy Racine, uh, Liam Rossini's side an early advantage. BBC's called it Leroy there, not the uh, former Torquay United man. Slater, who had set up Tufan's opener, should have put City two ahead when he blasted a glorious chance straight at Anthony Patterson. And the midfielder was swiftly punished when Joe Gelhart swept in an equaliser from Sunderland's subsequent attack. Sunderland's persistent press paid off once more when they again won possession in a dangerous area a minute later, allowing Clark to tee up Ahmed Diallo inside the penalty area to make it 2-1. 
The rapid flurry of goals continued as Hull struck back through Alaya Asamadeh and Manesh. Oh, Sayad Manesh's ruthless finish. There we go. Crashing a first-time shot in off the crossbar from the rebound when Patterson's brave save from Dimitros Pelkas's effort fell to him at a tricky angle. Midfielder Slater atoned for his first-half wastefulness by holding off Trey Hume, narrowly keeping the ball in play on the byline, and cutting inside to resource City's lead with a fierce strike as the scoring resumed 21 minutes after the break. Just when Hull looked on course for a first win in eight editions of the fixture in the league, Sunderland won a penalty when Clark was bundled to the ground by Alfie Jones. Diallo converted via goalkeeper Carl Darlow's fingertips, claiming his 11th goal of the season to move level with Charlton pair Jezerin Raksaki and Miles Lieburn as the leading marksman aid under-21 in the EFL this season. Winger Clark showed comparable posure to, uh, composure to complete an incisive move with nine minutes of regular time remaining in front of an enthralled home crowd. Sunderland would have scored a fifth, but for Clark sweeping wildly when he was set up by Diallo, only for Tufan to score his second and send Hull level on points with 16th place Birmingham, eight points clear of the relegation zone. Their pair, their part in a classic, left Sunderland six points adrift of Blackburn Rovers, who occupy the final playoff place and have a nine-goal inferiority to Tony Mowbray's men. An exciting game for everyone that was there at the Stadium of Light, not to mention half of Middlesbrough that were in the pub watching it with me earlier on Good Friday as well. A very, very entertaining game before our match. With that in mind, though, let's go and listen to Sunderland boss Tony Mowbray. Tony, a breathless game at the stadium in light Caesars, earn a point. What was your take on the performance in the game itself? Um, well, it took us 20 minutes to get started, I, th- I felt. It's um, you know, a really frenetic spell that when you look with 2 2 in, in a 10 in a 15 minute spell, it's, um, they, they're a good team. We, we said that we'd been watching them, they, they play through you, they give us problems. We didn't quite get the press right. Like, uh, you know, if you compare it to the Burnley game where we got the press perfect from the front, went to, went to jump, went to steer, went to deny them passing lines. Uh, we didn't quite get that right tonight and um, it gave us some problems. Once we did sort it out, you know, we, we looked really, really dangerous, scored some goals, looked like we'd won the game. Last kick of the match, you know, uh, naivety really of giving a penalty away. And, you know, I think, we, I think I've said to them there, it's almost like we're learning on the cold face really, you know, we, we have to learn our jobs. Um, experience tells you when to tackle when not to tackle when to stand up let people try and beat you don't pull a leg out and let somebody go over the foot and the referee has a decision to make so um, yeah so we're frustrated disappointed but I mean being involved in an amazing football match eight goals um, and I hope the fans can see a team because I I thought particularly second half or maybe the last hour after the first 20 minutes a team that was right there fighting against a pretty good football team and um, and having a real good go at it. You often talk about growth mindset from these players and I guess there'll be plenty to pick the bones out of, but plenty for them to learn from today. Yeah, and I think that's that's what we take from the game, really, the, the learning process. As I'm saying, the learning on the core face, they're out there in matches with big crowds and try to get the experience to do the right thing that will turn draws into victories, hopefully, in the future. And, um, but they have to learn fast, of course, and, and by playing football matches like that, they will learn. And we um, hopefully the team grows, the, the individual players grow, and 
and we turn draws into wins as I say as we move forward some big positives from the game as well Joffy's first goal at the stadium alight Ahmad scoring two today again just goes to show the, just how how threatening we can be going forward yeah the keeper made an amazing save at the death as well I think it was Trey wouldn't it I mean because Trey obviously made a, an error for one of their goals there he thought it was gone out and the boy wrapped it in the top corner but um, looked like he might have scored scored a goal that might have put the game to bed and the keeper made an amazing save but um yeah, listen, it, it was a good game. I, I said to Liam after the game, maybe maybe no team deserved to lose that game because both teams were involved in a really good game of football and I'm not sure either of us have got you know, huge aspirations. You know, We'd have been four points out of it if we won today. We find ourselves six points out of it. We just have to keep going, try and win games. If we can win every game, we would probably have a good chance and yet you know, there's a lot of teams between us and the top six and so we just have to keep building the club, keep building the team, keep developing each player and um, and look forward to the future After a frantic game today what do the next few days look like before we head down to Cardiff for Easter Monday? Well we're in tomorrow we'll assess everybody we'll see the ones who didn't get on the pitch we'll have a training session of course and um, some of them might be involved in Monday um, Yeah, you know, Ballard was a disappointment for us today it looks as if he's going to miss a couple of weeks and um, so you know, we've got we've got one or two issues, I think, in my mind for for Monday. But we'll try and send a team down there to be really positive and see if we can um, get three points. So, with that in mind, what has that done to the championship table? Well, top of the table still remain the same, and won't be for next year, of course, as they'll find themselves in the Premier League. Top of the table sit Burnley on 87 points from 39 games played. A distant 13 points behind sits second place Sheffield United. The playoffs have slightly changed as well, as Luton jump up to third uh, following Middlesbrough's defeat to Burnley and their second uh, consecutive uh, loss for Middlesbrough, hoping they will turn it around against Bristol City on Monday. The rest of the playoffs remain the same, Millwall and Blackburn still outside and with still a very slim chance of the playoffs sit probably the best part of six other teams. Norwich find themselves in 7th position, 1 point off Blackburn, 60 points from 40 games played. Preston on 59, off quick swiftly followed on 58 points by Coventry City. The other three teams in with a shot are West Brom, Sunderland and Watford. Mid-table still looking very much the same, Bristol City moving up to 13th, displacing Stoke following their win uh, at, at the Bet365 this weekend. Uh, Swansea, Birmingham and Hull all very happy to sit where they probably are feeling happy with how the season relatively has gone they're unlikely to be anywhere near the relegation zone now three teams have jumped uh, up positions at the bottom where we've got Rotherham United, Cardiff and Huddersfield Cardiff, Huddersfield and QPR all level on 42 points one point behind and the first in the relegation zone sit Reading 41 points from 40 games. They'll have to be kicking themselves knowing that that really should be 47. The other two are the two that unfortunately we've seen an awful lot this season in the bottom three of the championship, Blackpool and Wigan Athletic. When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation. 
At A.J. Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913. Right then, let's move straight on to League One. And we'll start with Accrington Stanley 3, Port Vale 0. Accrington boosted their bid for League One survival with a big home win over Port Vale. There was nothing in it until the 31st minute, when Vale keeper Jack Stevens failed to keep hold of a hopeful Liam Coyle ball into the box and dropped it over the line for an own goal. But the visitors pressed for an equaliser and home goalkeeper Lucas Jensen superbly stopped a James Wilson volley. Stanley, who remained in the final relegation place in League One, but are now just one point behind Oxford United, made it 2-0 after 40 minutes when Ethan Hamilton got to the byline and put the ball into the six-yard box, where Harvey Rogers was there to finish from close range. The Reds celebrated a third goal in the 68th minute, ending the game as a contest after being awarded a penalty. Sean Wally was stripped in the area by Funzo Ojo, and on-loan Brentford striker Aaron Presley tucked the ball into the bottom right-hand corner, sending Stevens the wrong way. It was the 21-year-old's sixth goal since joining for Stanley in January. To cap a miserable afternoon for the 17th place Vale, who are now just won once in their last eight, midfielder Ojo was sent off in stoppage time for violent conduct. Bristol Rovers 1, Charlton Athletic 0. John Marquis scored a 71st-minute penalty as Bristol Rovers won at home for the first time in eight after beating Charlton 1-0 at the Memorial. The striker had come off the bench in the 65th minute, replacing Josh Coburn, and six minutes later he took the spot kick awarded for Charlton captain George Dobson, handling in the area that stopped Pirates midfielder Lamari Bogard burst into the box. Big game at the top now, Burton Albion 2. Barnsley won. Burton grabbed a huge victory in their quest to secure survival as Connor Shaughnessy and Dale Taylor fired them to a shock win over promotion-chasing Barnsley. Albion remained seven points clear of the bottom four, while Barnsley, who had been seeking a 12th win in 15, slipped six points off the top two. The visitors had strong shouts for a penalty after 11 minutes when James Norwood's shot was blocked on the line by Burton skipper John Brayford. Barnsley players were adamant an arm was used, but referee Adam Hudseg waved away their appeals. A bright start to the second half for the home side saw them edge in front when Shaughnessy converted Mustafa Carriol's cross. Tight skipper Mads Anderson was agonisingly close to an equaliser on the hour, but Craper Gilvery saved superbly to deny him. Tail Taylor, so not tail, Dale Taylor doubled the Brewers' lead with their three minutes remaining with a superb curling effort before Nicky Caden set up a tense finish with a well-struck left-footed shot to make it 2-1. Barnsley pushed for an equaliser in seven added minutes and McGilvery made one more outstanding stop with the last effort of the game as Burton hung on for the win. Another one that held on uh, well for the win, Cambridge United 2, Fleetwood Town 1. Cambridge kept their survival hopes alive by beating Fleetwood. The host netted an opener inside three minutes, courtesy of an excellent strike from Jack Lancaster, who found space on the edge of the box to fire beyond Jay Lynch and into the far corner. 
they almost gifted Fleetwood an immediate equaliser when Dimi Mitov's poor kick rebounded to Jack Marriott, only for the goalkeeper to recover and save the forward's effort. Eight minutes before half-time, the visitors missed a big chance when Sean Rooney connected with Phoenix Patterson's delivery, but could only head off target. They were made to rue it when Cambridge doubled the lead 12 minutes after the break. James Brophy went down under Tota Niziala's challenge, and Sam Smith sent Lynch the wrong way from the spot. No, not the famous singer. Fleetwood boss Scott Brown was booked for his protests at the award of the penalty, in a shock to absolutely no one. Junior Quirtiners scored on his EFL debut, heading in Dan Batty's corner, but the U's earned successive league wins for the first time since September the 3rd. And with that in mind, let's listen to Cambridge United boss Mark Bonner. Mark, congratulations. A crucial 2-1 win here against Fleetwood. What did you make of your team's performance? Yeah, I thought we were worthy of it. I thought we were very good, actually. I thought we started the game brilliantly. Um, played some real good football, scored a great goal. What a, what a finish, but good bit of, bit of build-up play in the build-up to the goal as well. But brilliant finish from Jack. He's playing really well at the moment. Um, and delighted to get in front. And, and we had to sustain some pressure in bits in the, in the first half. What we talked about at half-time was not sitting on a lead and, and trying to make sure we didn't play a game that never got any pressure to the ball. I thought the start of the second half, I thought 15, 20 minutes, we were brilliant. And I loved the mentality that we stepped on, tried to play to score the next goal, um, scored it, held his nerve well on the penalty. We've had probably three shouts for one in that period. Um, so it was always coming that we were really aggressive in our attacking play around the box and in wide areas. Um, and we had some brilliant attacking moments after that as well, where we probably needed to extend the lead and get a third goal and had we done it wouldn't have maybe got so hairy because um, when they score and there's a, a small period to go and they've got the shackles off and there's no consequences really in the game for them other than try and get something it can make it a little bit more edgy but we did defend the box very well in the end and um, saw the game out well I thought we deserved the win I thought it was a really strong performance a, a good day a good atmosphere and overall, we know we're going to need back-to-back wins at different times. So I'm pleased with the players for finding the level, but also for having the uh, temperament to just keep finding results when we really need them. Um, if we're going to take this to the last week, we're going to have to keep going with that. Yeah, you mentioned great atmosphere, no doubt helped by that brilliant start. I mean, couldn't have hoped for much more three minutes in and a beautiful strike from Jack Lancaster. It was a brilliant goal, yeah. A nice bit of play with, with Liam and Connor and a few others involved in that build-up. Um, I thought tactically they played the game really well against an aggressive team. That's an excellent front two that they've got. They serve the box with really good quality, um, really aggressive team. Their away record's outstanding. Um, they've scored the most goals in the league in the last 15 minutes. So when you do concede one, you're a bit wary of that. But we changed the shape a little bit to try and just suffer that a bit more and, and, and swallow up that pressure that we had. Uh, but I thought the start was excellent and, and, and the goal was was really well deserved and I'm delighted with Jack. Yeah, and although they scored that goal towards the end, never really felt like there was too much pressure on the on the players. So they did well to sort of see out that period and get the win. Yeah, it, it might not feel it for you. It does feel it for us on the sideline. It always feels like you're under the pump a little bit. But what we did do is we limited the number of set plays they got, limited the number of balls that they could get in the box, bought fouls, managed the game well, got control of the game, still had a counter threat all the time. And um, I, I thought we, we saw it out really well. I thought it was a brilliant performance and a brilliant result off the back of last week as well. It's, um, it's a really good time to be finding that sort of form and we're on a little roll and we want to try and keep that going now. Yeah, that's back-to-back wins in the league for the first time since the first month of the season. Just how important do you think that could be to the mentality of the team? Well, yeah, it's everything. And and also, um, the mentality comes from results. And the only chance we've got staying in this league is if we put put more of those together. We're going to have to win more games. We're going to have to win a good number. 
we've closed the gap to three points um, from where we were probably a week, two weeks ago. It looks a lot different now, so that gives everybody some confidence. We've got some big, big games coming up um, against some teams that are fighting to get above the line at the top end of the table, um, and that can add pressure to everybody. So all of us have got the pressure on us, and who can handle that and, and cope? We, we know we've got some tough ones ahead, but we'll go into games with a real spirit and desire about us. We also know games here are going to be really important for us. Well, the atmosphere was brilliant today from the very beginning. Um, I knew it would be because we breathed some life back into it. Um, and that was a team performance of, of, of a group of players that are believing in it and that are understanding the situation and finding the level that we need to, to take this to the final week. Exeter City nil, Bolton Wanderers won. Bolton picked up three big points in the race for a playoff spot, but they were given a real scare by a spirited Exeter at St James's Park. Connor Bradley scored the only goal of an entertaining game, but Exeter will rue their luck of cutting edge as they created enough to have taken something from the game. Forest Green Rovers nil, Derby County 2. Derby returned to winning ways but remain outside the playoffs on goal difference after a 2-0 win over League One bottom side Forest Green. Goals from James Collins from the spot and David McGoldrick late in the second half were enough for all three points in Gloucestershire. Another big game at the top, Ipswich Town 4, Wickham Wanderers nil. Ipswich stormed to an 8th straight League One win as they swept aside Wickham 4-0 to move up to 2nd in the table. First half goals from George Hurst and Connor Chaplin set the hosts on their way before a Wesburn strike and a penalty from Freddie Ladapo took Ipswich, who have kept clean sheets in all of their last 8 games, above Sheffield Wednesday on goal difference and into the automatic promotion spots. Lincoln City 2, Cheltenham Town 0. A Ben House brace earned Lincoln a 2-0 win at home to Cheltenham to end their five-match winless run. The striker forced the ball over the line in the 42nd minute for his opener after two efforts from Teddy Bishop had been blocked in the box. And House added his second in the 79th minute to seal the points for Mark Kennedy's men against an informed Cheltenham side. The Robins had arrived at Sinselbank on a six-game unbeaten run, but they rarely threatened Carl Rushworth's goal. MK Dons won, Portsmouth won. Mohamed Issa earned relegation-threatened MK Dons a point and a one-all draw against ten-man Pompey. Connor Connor Gilvey gave playoff-chasing Pompey an early lead and the visitors controlled proceedings until Joe Morell's controversial sending off in the 39th minute. But Isa's calm finish in the 65th minute left the match and extended the Don's unbeaten run to five games. Morecambe 1, Plymouth Argyle 3. Plymouth moved back to the top of League 1 thanks to a 3-1 win against relegation-threatened Morecambe at the Mazuma. The home side looked like they were going to cause an upset when they took an early lead through Jensen Weir, but substitutes Danny Mayer, Ben Wayne and Jay Matete all scored second-half goals to put Plymouth top of the table. Morecambe had made a perfect start to the contest when they broke away following an Argyle corner to take the lead after just three minutes. Dan Crowley sent Weir racing through on goal and the Morecambe man beat Argyle keeper Callum Burton from close range to score. The Pilgrims needed some magic from Mayer to get themselves back in the game and they got just that. The Argyle substitute, who had been on the field for just five minutes, picked up the ball on the edge of the box and superbly curled his effort past Connor Ripley in the bottom right corner on the hour mark. Plymouth left it late to score the winner, three minutes from time in fact, when Wayne tapped home from close range to secure the points. The visitors then made sure of the victory when Matete held off a defender and fired home a third in stoppage time. 
Shrewsbury Town nil, Peterborough United 3. Inform Peterborough maintain their playoff push with a dominant 3-0 win at Shrewsbury. Johnson Clark Harris scored his 25th goal of the season before Ephraim Mason Clark and Jack Taylor grabbed second half efforts at the new meadow. It was a fifth game without defeat for Darren Ferguson's contenders and a fourth clean sheet on the bounce as they remain in sixth on goal difference ahead of Derby. And finally, probably one of the bigger games of the evening or the weekend, Oxford United won Sheffield Wednesday. One. Cameron Brannigan's equaliser from the penalty spot 20 minutes from time gave struggling Oxford a precious point and draw with League One promotion hopeful Sheffield Wednesday. The Owls have now slipped to third on goal difference behind Ipswich, who won comfortably against Wickham, and Plymouth, who battled back to behind to beat Morecambe. The game's opening half hour was scrappy, with Wednesday relying on long-range shots from Lee Gregory, Marvin Johnson and Reese James. No, not that one. And they have now gone get six games without a win. So, what has that done overall to the League One table? Well, weirdly, not a lot, apart from the important one at the top. Plymouth returned to the top of the table with 83 points from 39 games played. Two points behind them are incredibly strongly formed Ipswich Town. Level on points with third place Sheffield Wednesday and are only ahead on goal difference, but quite a significant goal difference, not to mention Plymouth and Ipswich have played 39 games, Sheffield Wednesday have played 40. The three playoff spots are Barnsley, Bolton and Peterborough. Derby level on points with Peterborough, uh, only, as I said, separated on goal difference, so still very much in with the chance of the playoffs. Of the four of those teams, of which are Barnsley, Bolton, Peterborough and Derby, whoever misses out on the playoffs will be feeling incredibly hard done by come season's end. At the bottom, not a lot has really changed, apart from the Cambridge have jumped above Morecambe in their hunt to try and escape the uh, the drop zone. Uh, they are now three points behind Oxford United in 20th with 39 points, Accrington 38, Cambridge 36, Morecambe 34 and unfortunately Forest Green on 26. So with just about seven minutes left of the programme, we've got just enough time to run over the league. Two scores and plenty of interesting facts. Carlisle United, Carlisle United 2, Tranmere Rovers 0. Christian Dennis struck both goals as Carlisle reignited their League 2 promotion push with a 2-0 win over Tranmere at Brunton Park. Dennis had ended his drought with his first goals since January 31st, taking his tally for the season to 20 as the hosts claimed their first win in five games. Crawley Town nil, Bradford City nil. Promotion chasing Bradford extended their unbeaten League Two run to nine games, despite a late red card, as relegation threatened Crawley battled hard to earn a point and a nil-nil draw at the Broadfield Stadium. Uh, the Bantams stay in sixth, and Crawley remain out of the bottom two, but only on goal difference, and that is because of the next match that took place, and that finished Grimsby Town 1, Harlepool United 4. Daniel Kemp's hat-trick helped Hartlepool to an impressive 4-1 away victory over Grimsby in a massive boost to their survival hopes. Josh Umer added a fourth to Kemp's treble as the visitors completed a league double over the Mariners in emphatic fashion. With a ruthless second-half display, it's the first time Hartlepool have scored four goals away from home since 2010. Crew Alexander 3, Barrow 0, Dan Adji converted two first-half penalties as Crew made it back-to-back wins in a, with a 3-0 success over Barrow. The final goal came from an Alex substitute Chris Long, completing the scoring in the 18-9th minute. 
Gillingham won, Doncaster Rovers nil. Gillingham moved closer to securing their League 2 status for next season as Tom Nichols hit the winner in a 1-0 victory over Doncaster. Neil Harris's side are now nine points above the relegation zone with just six games remaining, probably putting them just about safe. Buoyed by winning seven of their previous eight matches at Priestfield, the Jills twice came close to scoring in the opening ten minutes, but had to leave it till just before half-time to really seal it against Doncaster in the ever-inconsistent Doncaster Rovers. Harrogate Town 2, AFC Wimbledon 2. Levi Sutton scored in the seventh minute of stoppage time to earn relegation threat in Harrogate, an unlikely 2 all home draw against AFC Wimbledon. Harrogate had been trailing to a goal in each half from Ethan Chislett before Luke Armstrong's 89th minute reply set up the grandstand finish that saw Sutton net his first goal for the club since his January move from Bradford. Newport County 3, Northampton Town nil. A big game there. Northampton's promotion challenge suffered a setback with a 3-0 defeat at Newport. The second-place visitors enjoyed the, fir- the best of the first half before Omar Bogle put Newport ahead, prodding home in the 42nd minute. Northampton's first defeat in nine was confirmed in added time by a Bogle penalty and then a Charlie McNeil third for Newport. Newport had stretched that unbeaten run to six and move up to one place to 17th. Another important game at the bottom, Rochdale 4, Walsall 2. Rock bottom Rochdale made it back-to-back wins for the first time since October, as they beat Walsall 4-2. Two wins in as many games under caretaker boss Jim McNulty has moved the club within six points of safety with six games to play in the league. The visitors took the lead after 23 minutes, when Jamil Matt prodded home Brandon Combley's flick on at the back post. But Dale levelled three minutes before half-time when Max Taylor's shot was diverted past Owen Evans by Liam Ian Henderson. And then they went ahead two minutes later as Abraham Odo crashed a shot against the crossbar as Danny Lloyd converted. The Saddlers equalised early in the second half after Rochdale gave possession away cheaply in the opposition half and Tom Knowles raced through to score. Four minutes later, Matt had a header ruled offside and Rochdale capitalised on the let-off, Ethan Brearley opening up the visitors' defence to send Max Taylor in on goal and the defender sending a stunning strike into the top corner. Brearley made it 4-2 when Evans's hashed clearance dropped to him just inside the Walsall half and through the goalkeeper got two hands to the attempt, the assistant referee ruled the ball had crossed the line. Salford City nil, Leighton Orient 2. Richie Wellens' men made a winning return to the Peninsula Stadium as Leighton Orient beat Salford 2-0 to take a giant stride towards promotion. First half goals from Royal Sotteru and George Moncourt sent Orient extend their lead, uh, their unbeaten run, sorry, to 11 matches, moved 10 points clear of the top with a game in hand. Stevenage 1, Colchester United 1. Stevenage's automatic promotion hopes in League 2 suffered a blow, while Colchester drifted closer to the relegation zone as the side shared a one-all draw at the Lamex. Connor Hall had given the League 2 strugglers hope with his 18th-minute opener, but Alex Gilby levelled the scores at the start of the second half. The draw leaves Stevenage outside the top three on goal difference, while Colchester are now just a point above the bottom two. Sutton United nil, Stockport County 1. Jack Stretton's second half goal enhanced Stockport's promotion hopes with a 1-0 victory at Sutton. It was a defeat which dealt a blow to the host playoff ambitions and to make matters worse, they lost captain Craig Eastman after just six minutes due to injury. And finally, Swindon Town 2, Mansfield Town 4. 
Mansfield won at the county ground for the first time in 46 years as they came from behind to record a 4-2 victory against Swindon. Roshane Hepburn Murphy scored within three minutes as he nodded beyond Christy Pym to give Swindon the lead. The Stags answered back in the 13th minute when Elliot Hewitt whipped a ball to the back post which found an unmarked Stephen Quinn who headed home to score Mansfield's first goal at the ground since 2002. Lucas Aikins gave Mansfield the lead just past the half-hour mark when he got on the end of a ball across goal from Quinn to pounce from a yard, and a minute later he turned provider by finding Reese Oates, whose deflected shot found the net. Hiram Boateng made it four in the 65th minute after robbing Ronan Darcy in his own half and curling a shot into the bottom corner. Welsh international Johnny Williams added a consolation off the bench after 86 minutes when he tucked his shot beyond the goalkeeper after wandering beyond the Mansfield backline. So what have they done to the League 2 table? Well, Carlisle retake their place in the final automatic promotion spot, overtaking Stevenage, having played one game more than the uh, than Stevenage themselves. Leighton Orient top of the table now, 11 points clear of uh, the playoff places, looking ever likely there will receive uh, League 1 status next year. Second place sit Northampton Town despite their loss to Newport. The rest of the playoffs sit Stevenage, Stockport, Bradford City and now Mansfield as they overtake Salford. Crew and Newport pulling away from the relegation zone as are Gillingham. All of them look safe for, uh, for next year now. Uh, however, at the bottom it's getting extremely tight as there's now two points separating five teams. Hartlepool United are in currently still in the bottom two despite their very, very good run of form under Mr Askey. However, they're now level on points with Crawley Town uh, uh, who are only one place above them. One place above that sit Colchester, 39 points. And Harrogate Town still not out of the woods, unfortunately, with 40 points from 39 games so of course have a game in hand on the teams around them so with that in mind that brings us to the end of the EFL review this week I hope you've enjoyed it plenty of excitement here on Good Friday now of course you're hearing this on Easter Monday so uh, I will be back on next Friday's episode to go over the matches that took place today whilst this programme is going out so with that in mind I hope you have a lovely rest of your week thank you very much for listening and goodbye (laughs)